As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. In this podcast, we chat about Boroughswell against Luton, the praise and place nominations, the Wilder era so far, and we look ahead to Sheffield United and Millwall from Johnny from the Shore and View and that Millwall podcast. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Mash Day chatter in a pod. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And on Saturday, Borough round off a fantastic week with a win over promotion rivals Luton Town at the Riverside, courtesy of a goal from Paddy McNair and Duncan Watmore. Guys, we were so, so deflated after Barnsley last weekend, but the response was been fairly good ever since. Um, but now I just want to ask how you thought of the game on Saturday in three words. Um, Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll say beautifully ugly win because I think that pretty much sums it up. Um, I agree with Chris Wilder. I love those types of victories where we might not be at our swashbuckling best, but we still get the job done. I think that's the borough that I kind of know and love. Okay, and then Tom, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go with a scrappy affair this week. I think there, there were times where we, we did play some some good stuff, uh, but a lot of it was kind of playing looping at their own game and they were a, a tough physical team to to play against yesterday. We had to, we had to die for them three points, as a previous manager would have said, uh, and uh, we got them in the end. So. I mean, Dyke still nearly lost a testicle in the game, but it was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's a my three words gonna be a routine win. Um, nine wins in all competitions at home now, fairly scrappy, a pretty much a lull game. Um, but we end up getting the three points, which is all that matters. Um, but let's break the game down then, because Chris Wilder made two changes to the side that beat Spurs midweek, with Balligan and Connolly coming in for Spora and Watmore. Dana, were you surprised though not to see uh, Josh Corburn coming from the off yesterday? Not really, no. I can understand why Chris Wilder didn't put him in. Obviously, he's made a brilliant impact off the bench midweek, but I suppose it's the rotation of the of the forwards, and it seems to be a position that he is in. You know, he wants to rotate at the moment, but also keep faith with Balogun 
and Connolly. So I'm not I'm not surprised. It would have been nice to see him start, but I think it was kind of unlikely. Mm. Okay, then. Well, let's let's assess the performance then, because it was a game where you know Borough looked like the felt like it was a stop. It was a stop start game. We were relatively in control at times. You know, we looked like we killed the game off, and then Luton just scored right at the very end. But then, how would you assess yesterday? Yeah, it wasn't a classic, was it? It's probably a game that I'm going to forget in about two weeks' time, but that's probably owing to my terrible memory. But it was it was a game that I mean, especially after Tuesday night, the amount of mental and physical output from the players against Spurs probably showed in the game yesterday. I think from both sides as well, two sides that were obviously playing midweek against Premier League opposition. Incredibly tough, not only in terms of the physical levels of the team and the demands of the team, but also the concentration, the mentality, the knowing, you know, that Son's behind you and, and Kane's not that far away from you. It's that sort of concentration levels that I thought probably made the players a little bit tired and I think it showed in the game. And yeah, it was it it, it wasn't a game that particularly had much flow or rhythm to it. And I think the referee probably influenced that as well with a few stoppages. Um, well, the few injuries as well from, from Luton two players going off. But yeah, it was, I think, a, a really impressive victory, especially coming off the back of the, the shadow of the game on, on Tuesday, because we could have easily turned up at the Riverside yesterday, played poorly and lost. And then I think the excuse would have been quite naturally, oh yeah, well, you know, the, the, the game on Tuesday night probably affected us a little bit too much. It did affect us yesterday, Chris Wilder said it after the game, but our mentality really showed our winning mentality, and we got the we got the victory. We got the three points. A really, really big victory for us. Yeah, it was a, it was a massive, massive win. And Tom, how important is it then to try and grind out the results against the promotion rivals? Because Chris Wilder said yesterday the game was a bit of an arm wrestle, um, but to get the three points the way we have is really important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, going into it, I expected it to be very similar to to the games at home we've had against uh, Coventry, Bournemouth, Swansea. Uh, you know where where we were playing a a very good team uh, up and around us, and, and and we needed to grind out that win. And f- for most of it, it kind of went as I expected it to. Although I don't think Luton kind of threatened that much. They were threatening without being threatening, if that makes sense. Like they always looked like they could do something but never looked close to doing that. And I think that just kind of shows how well we were uh, keeping them out of the game defensively and in the midfield battle as well. Because as we've with Tuesday night, uh, Johnny Housen was absolutely everywhere yesterday. Um, so it was Tav, to be fair, and, uh, and and Crooks on the other side was putting himself about well as well. Um, so, you know, we, we got there in the end. I'd, I'd have been... You know, pleasantly surprised with a two 0 win, and then they kind of get the the goal right at the death. But I was always expecting that to be close. Yesterday, we got the results, and you know, look, looking at the table, we need to be picking the three points uh, up against those teams around us. You know, starting then, and then obviously Sheffield United on Tuesday as well. Yeah, it's a massive week coming up for Borussia when we've when we've got the likes of Millwall and Sheffield United, and we're going to come with that a little bit later on. But yesterday, Dana. Borough started off reasonably quite slow. The game was fairly much of a lull that we've mentioned. Get get ourselves ahead. Good, some good play from Jones into Balogun. Wins the penalty quite well. McNair uh, slots it away. But the second goal is always important in football to try and kill a game off. And the way that we did, Duncan Watmore came on, showed his, his standard running ability to try and get him behind, press teams down, and was rewarded with a goal. I'm not really sure how it went in, but it did. 
Um, but we get in a lot of questions about Duncan Watmore on this podcast, um, week in, week out. Um, and it's, I'm going to put it bluntly, should he start up front, yes or no? I think he should, but Maddo did make a good point on BBC Teens yesterday that he seems to be better coming off the bench or be... Maddo said that he's seen him be effective from the start, but he's also seen him be effective from the bench. It's a bit of a strange conundrum with our strikers at the moment because it does feel as though whoever comes off the bench is automatically the next starter or the starter for the next game in the eyes of the fans. So it's a bit of a bit of a puzzle. But I think for me, what more should start? Obviously, it depends on his on his knees. You know, two ACL injuries, you have to factor that in, but. He should definitely be a you know a regular starter for me, but as I, as I said at the top of the podcast, Wilder seems to be keen on rotating the strikers at the moment, which isn't so much of a bad thing. You know, you see what more come off the bench, even if he doesn't start, he's got to come on and make an impact. So it's not so much of a, of a problem to have. But to answer the question, yeah, I probably would start Duncan Watmore. Mm. I think I, it went, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think he should be a super sub. Um, I just think as a defender's perspective, the worst thing that you want with 15, 20 minutes to go is a fresh Duncan Watmore who's like a whippet. Um, mm. run, like, come on the pitch and just run your ragged for the last 20, 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, he's been great. He's great, isn't he, in, in, in periods? But I think it's, uh, I think like Super Sub would probably suit him better for now. But there's nothing wrong so, with that, is there? Yeah, who, who would you start then if um, Watmore's on the bench? See, yesterday. Uh, I, I yesterday I thought Connolly played well, especially as like as a two foot six target man, the best I've seen. <laughs> a, someone so small, like Horn Swoggle esque, uh, caused a lot of problems in the end. Um, I thought Balogun shows good technical ability, really, really good on the ball. Um, but he's just not getting the rub of the green in terms of front of goal at the moment. But again, the service probably isn't there just as much for him. I think up front, you can't, you when you're looking at what we've got. Sparrow's underperforming uh, quite significantly. I think in terms of like, you know, I think XG is, is ridiculously low, isn't it, in comparison to what he has? Um, I think up front, I think what more is is great, but I see him more as an impact sub. I would go with um, Sparrow and Connolly at the moment. I'd go with that. Um, I, I just don't know, I, I think Connolly. I think that he he does get a lot of hate which I think I can sometimes see why but I think the more he's playing the more I'm seeing why Chris Wilder's playing him I think he gets himself about quite a lot and he might not score like 10-15 goals a season but I think he's being relatively effective and I think he's a good alternative to to Watmore at the moment Um, and especially with like Watmore and the amount of games we've got coming up and protecting him as well I think yeah I think Connolly should probably start with with Sparrow at the moment um until Balogun finds his feet and then maybe go Balogun and Sparrow maybe I don't know it's so yeah, it's, it's nice it's how it's difficult in it it's difficult because yeah. no one's really I don't think anyone's really staking a claim to be mm. a regular starter yeah so oh, it's, yeah. it's a bit of it's a bit bit of a conundrum yeah yeah I, I don't think I don't think Corburn's ready to start yet I think he's 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 good like he's got a great finisher, great finisher, but I just don't know. It's like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sold yet. Um, but I mean, he's only a kid, and he so there's plenty of time for him to come in. Um, but Tom, it seemed to be a routine two 0 win yesterday until like the last kick of the game. Um, Luton obviously scoring with with Karnik, the Jack Grealish B Tech. Um, but. <laughs> 
Are you disappointed in the way that we've conceded that? Because it seemed to be fairly steady there. Didn't look like they were going to score unless there was obviously there was a couple of good saves from, from Lundley, of course, and the corner line in the second. But were you disappointed the the way we conceded towards the end? Yeah, because it just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere and it just seemed to come from a uh, lapse in concentration as well. For for all I thought he was, you know, potentially man of the match yesterday, the whole kind of move starts off with House and losing the ball around the left-hand side, of, well, our left-hand side of the halfway line, goes back to their defender, long ball over the top, and, you know, in, in a rare occasion, Fry doesn't win the header. Uh, and, and then it, it's uh, it's played across the, the face of the box, but McNair's actually behind the man he's supposed to be tracking, which ends up being Cornick. Uh, and don't understand that, like, I'm picking on McNair because it's the, the last kind of three weeks where we've done the goal analysis it's it's his defensive positioning and to be fair I, I think it was quite a few people maybe lapsed in concentration towards the end of the game thinking ah oh, this is probably one like we don't don't need to worry about this but yeah it, it's not something you want to see at a, a tuna up um and well or, or any point of the opposition uh scoring uh but especially when we we'd look so kind of comfortable throughout the game and you know you're looking towards a a good 2-0 win it just seemed like a few lapses in concentration cost us that goal and then like thankfully there wasn't too long left to to see it out but you know it it, it did make for like a nervy one or two minutes yeah i knew he was scoring I knew he was scoring as soon as he came on because I was just sat there thinking, wow, you really are a shit Jack Grealish, aren't you? And Same. obviously, <laughs> yeah, I think we, we saw it coming, didn't we? It happened It happened at Kenilworth World when the Borough fans were chanting that at him and then he bloody scores against us. I knew as soon as he came on, he was going to score. But yeah, it was a disappointing goal to concede. But Luton could have could have definitely had something from the game. I think there was two really big chances yesterday uh, for them, but... There were some good saves made from the Borough goalkeeper, and he's been on the on the lips of Borough fans for the last few weeks. Um, but Joel Lumley, he's he's made some really really good crucial stops the last couple of games, hasn't he, Tom? Yeah, and I think the last couple of games as well, he's he's shown a kind of mental toughness, which you know we needed to see from him. You know, we were all saying after Barnsley last week, it's probably going to come down to to that, or you know, Wilder's man management of him and what it's been out of those two. We don't know. We we don't see what goes on behind closed doors, um, but he definitely looked on different form in uh, the Spurs game and in that game yesterday. He didn't look like he's been affected mentally by what's happened for the last couple of weeks, and he did look kind of more back to to what he had been prior to to the bad spell of form that he's had. So hopefully he can take some uh you know some some positive um mental strength from from the last couple of games, improve his confidence and uh and just crack on to the end of the season. Have, have no more no more blips like he has done. Mm. Okay then well let's move into the praise and place then and obviously the praise and place each week is our chance to <laughs> say some praise to either a staff member, a fan, a player or even Chris Wilder's favourite biscuit. So, um, Dana, <laughs> who is going to be your pick this week in the praise and place? Can I put you in it, Johnny, for that match day poll option? That made me laugh. That did Chris Wilder's favourite biscuit. <laughs> favourite biscuit, oh, Flo Balligan's favourite Avenger. What one? What one, by the way? Chocolate Digest um, has to be, right? I'll tell you if you just uh, give me when a the, second. I, I voted Hobnob Lake, so I, I, I hope it's that one. Uh, oh. So uh, the the winner of the <laughs> Chris Wilder's 
of Chris Wilder's favourite biscuit from the fans. They think it's the custard cream with custard 28%. Cream. Yeah, 28%. Second was the chocolate digestive. Third, hmm. what, um, no, sorry, second was the hobnob. Third was the chocolate digestive. And the fourth was the ginger nut. So there you go. <laughs> I must have to put a disclaimer in. I have no idea what his favourite biscuit is. I just just thought, thought, what's the four most popular biscuits? And we'll go with it. So, well, um... there's a question for Craig in the next pre-match presser. Chris, what's your favourite biscuit? Um, <laughs> but yeah, what was the prison place? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to echo what you said about Connolly, Johnny. I thought, given the fact that we were we were pumping long balls up to him, and he was. I mean, he wasn't winning a lot of them, but he still had the the strength to at least cause the Luton Town backline problems. And, you know, he battled incredibly hard. And, and the thing is, the people are say with that, that he should do that anyway, and football players should do that anyway. But we're so quick to point out when they don't. And yet we're not quick to point out when they do and praise when they do. So although it's maybe not going swimmingly in terms of goals return for Connolly I think he is building he's getting better and I, I was a fan of his performance yesterday I thought he does come under a lot of criticism some of it's warranted some of it I think people are almost waiting for him to drop a two out of ten so that they can maybe criticize him further but I thought he did well yesterday so I'm going to put Connolly in the praising place. Okay Tom what are you going to go for? Well, I mean, first off for me, I've probably got to go with Johnny Housen. Uh, second game in you know in the space of a week where he's covered the pretty much the entire pitch and he, he's you know he's he's putting in uh, tackles now and you know adding that to his game, which I hadn't seen a lot of before. Uh, like slide tackles, I mean, not just like using his strength um, and and some of the uh, the vision he's showing uh, when he picks up the ball and runs out midfield has been superb as well. Secondly, I've got a good one for this one. He's having a tavern there. He's tavern everywhere. Like, what a performance! <laughs> what a performance from him yesterday, right? And you so know what? Where did that come from? That's why you've thought... been smirking. You've been waiting. I was wondering why he was laughing as well. Yeah. I, I thought about during the second half yesterday. I was going to put it in our group chat, and I was like, "Yeah, no, you know what? I'm not telling him about this. I'm just going to drop it in the middle of the pod and wait for this reaction." But uh, you know, there, there was a point during the second half yesterday. Where I think he's picked the ball up on the on the left hand side and kind of passed it across. Then they'd picked it back up on the right hand side, and he just popped up and tackled the player and gave it to Jones. I was like, how, how did he get over there? Like he's he's covered like so much of the pitch there to to do last. But honestly, I think he's been superb in, in sent him with the last couple of games, and also just kind of echo what you said about Connolly as well. Uh, you know, absolute battle yesterday to to play against a very physical couple of centre backs for Luton Town, and and did great doing it as well. Mm. Yeah, I, the praise and place. I think, yeah, I'll, it's my two. I think two are the same. So I think uh, um, <laughs> I was just laughing at your tab thing. It, you come up with these belters at the moment, aren't you? Every week, I feel like it should be Tom's segment of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, Tav, definitely outstanding, has been outstanding all season, continuing to be outstanding. Um, really, really impressed with him. He's like Flash, just like, like sorry, I was saying there, Tom Lee just like absolutely comes out of nowhere, <clears throat> just runs each side of the pitch, um, just doesn't stop. Fancy, honestly, so good. Um, brings so much to the side. Howison being outstanding the last couple of weeks. Crooks just came back well. And then, yeah, I think Connolly deserves a, a rightful mention this week. Really, I think it was good performance. Just needs to add goals to his game. But 
overall, I think he's been relatively quite strong. And he's, he's starting to add more and more, and I feel like he's starting to fit the system a bit better. And yeah, I think he's only going to improve for me. And I think Borough fans should continue to back him and be patient with it because I think he could be a good sign come come the end of the year. Um, well, come the end of the season. Um, but let's move on to questions then because each week uh, we give you the opportunity to send a podcast question in. Um, and that's here on Twitter. That's on either an email at theboroughbreakdown at hotmail.com or even join our Telegram chat where we've got 120 members in at the moment and we'll get, we get a few canny questions in from there and also the conversations just never stops every time i check the telegram chat there's about 100 messages in there so it's constantly <laughs> popping about the borough um but the first one this week comes from danny beardmore and he says do you think the next four games uh being aware will define our season tom do you want to take this one first i, I think it has the potential to um because we've not been playing great on, on the road recently and it is something that needs to change over the next four games because if we're not coming out with these four games with at least a decent return that could, you know, seriously dent uh, promotion hopes and and maybe confidence as well for the rest of the season as well. Um, you know, looking ahead to to Tuesday, the last couple of times I've seen Sheffield United play, which was Blackburn and Forest on Friday, they haven't particularly looked that good, uh, but they've still managed to kind of grind the result out. Um, so, the, you know, if if we play as well as I know we can we can get the result out of that. But it's just, you, you need to kind of put the um, the bad form on the road to bed before we can uh, uh, kind of move on with the season. So that that's a good place to start. And then, you know, we, we've just got to build on that uh, in, the, in the few games after that. Okay, then. So next question is from Charlie. And he says, do you think that the result was more impressive than Tuesday night? Uh, and do you think low confidence is the issue for Connolly and Balogun? Or do you think it's unlucky at the moment? Dana, do you want to take that two-parter? Yeah, I, it's definitely not as impressive as the game on Tuesday. Chris Wilder mentioned after the game, he was a little bit miffed that Bora didn't get the credit they deserved because, of course, the narrative was all about Tottenham and Spursy and things like that. But we played so well on Tuesday night. We went toe-to-toe with the Premier League team. So we were... It was a different type of game yesterday. So I think that's the impressive part of it. The the mentality, I think, was really, really good yesterday because, as I said, we could have easily gone into that game and maybe ducked a little bit and dipped and came out of it without the three points, but, but we didn't. We battled incredibly hard. We showed a different side to us, a different quality of our game, and you know we got the three points. So I think the the mentality and what Chris Wilder said, the state of mind was really impressive of that victory yesterday. And the second question, is it a confidence issue? I'm not so sure because I think Connolly is definitely building in confidence. It was, it was disappointing to see Balogun come off yesterday. He looked disappointed and obviously I can understand that because he hasn't got off the mark yet he was mightily unlucky against Barnsley he came incredibly close with that curled shot that just hit the hit the inside of the post he yeah he, he does need a goal doesn't he because the longer that it it ticks on and he's not got that goal it, it I guess it becomes more pressure on him and I don't know obviously I don't know Balogun as a person so it might it might make him rather than break him but it's definitely something that he does need a, a bit of a burden that he does need to get off his back but I think with Connolly I've definitely seen an improvement in confidence and I think as you said Johnny he's building in terms of fitting the system and adding more efficiency to his game I think and and I think the goals will come for both of them 
Mm. Well, you know, I know you don't know much about uh, Flo Balogun, Dana, but Bora fans seem to think that Iron Man is his favourite original Avenger, um, with Black <laughs> Widows coming in second uh, from our last day, Paul. Um, but yeah, I think with Balogun, look, I think perspective is definitely needed with Balogun because, what, he's only not even two full months into professional football and he's playing yeah. the championship completely different game to what he's been playing in the under 23s you can definitely see the talent there got it in abundance and he's make, and he's he's causing defenders problems but yeah i think that first call would be a massive weight off his shoulder and i think i feel like it'd be a rocket um then just go sizzler um if he scores that, that first one um but then the next one then it's from dave and he says would you give um jones a rest in the next game um, and use him as an impact sub, and who would you deputise for him? Um, to, oh, Tom, go on then, take this one. Would you rest Jones for the next game and use him as an impact sub? And then the part, the second part is, who would deputise for him? I actually wouldn't uh, rest him. I, I think there's there's no point in, in changing a winning team and uh, you know a, a formation which has been working, and as, as long as Jones is fit and ready to play, then then he should be playing. Um, but in terms of who deputises for him, it's it's a bit of a difficult one because you know if if we ever are in that situation, uh, you know you can possibly look at Dykesdale kind of moving him to uh, to the wing back role. I, I think he could do it. He's got the uh, the kind of chemistry with uh, Crooks on the on the right hand side anyway to kind of know where each other are. And you know as, as we saw against West Brom the other week, and definitely beat him, man. Um, and then I suppose other than that, you're looking maybe like Peltier or someone, but it, it's probably an area where we, we are really light in terms of reinforcements. It's just we, we have been lucky that, uh, you know, Jones hasn't been missing uh, much of the season, if at all. I think he might have missed one game towards the, the start, but yeah, we've probably been lucky with that. He got rested again, but he got rested <laughs> under Warnock. And I mean... I... The question is, is an interesting one because I think it's a fine balance, isn't it? Wilder said after the game that there's some very tired but determined players in that Middlesbrough team and it's very understandable the amount of energy that we spend, not only in midfield, but the whole around the whole team is unbelievable, really. But then I wouldn't I wouldn't rest our one of our best players, you know, with Huddersfield, for example, they don't rest Sauber Thomas. I was looking at it, I think he was rotated once since the turn of the year, maybe. I th- think it was against Barnsley in the FA Cup. Chair, Willock, QPR, they don't get rested. But then the flip side of that is that potentially, especially with QPR now, their wobble, is that down to burnout? Mm. Is that down to, you know, because obviously Chair's been at the African Cup of Nations as well. Willock had that massive pressure placed on him because of Chair's absence. It's it's one of those, isn't it? We can't really rotate him. There's no options there because you think putting Dykesteel right wing back I, I, I can see that happening, but and I can see that working. But then you're thinking, okay, you're just taking another player that's already in the team into a different position. There's no real rest there. You, you know, you can rest Jones, but then you're not resting or rotating title. It's an interesting balance, a, a fine balance. But I think I trust the fitness and conditioning team to be able to decide. Okay, maybe you need a, ro- a, a bit of a rest. It's difficult in midfield, especially because we've got injuries. Riley McGree, Martin Piero. And then we've got James Lisleyke and Caelan Boy Munns, who are left-footed players. So we don't really have anybody that can can fill in Jones apart from Dykesteel, really. Dykesteel or Joe Gibson, maybe if you want to if you want to look in the, the youth players. And he did play well against Mansfield, but 
again, that's like it's, it's a big ask getting thrown in the cha- championship game already, isn't it? So, um, we'll we'll see then. Um, uh, well, let's move on to the next question then. Um, and it's from Michael, and he says April sixth to April eighteenth. Could how key could this run of games be in Borough's season? And how many po- how many more points can you see us picking up until now from the end of the season? Um, I'll give you a bit of a hand on this one because the fixtures for uh, 6th of April to the 18th are Fulham at home, Hull at home, Bournemouth away and Huddersfield at home. So how many points, how key do you think that is going to be um, in defining Borough's season and how many points can you see us picking up until the end of this season? Um, do you both want to take this one, uh, give you an answer each and then we'll move to the last question of the day. Um, who wants to go first? Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'm in the home games from that. I don't really fear any of them. Uh, and, and you know, I'm, I know Fulham are at top of the league and, you know, scoring for fun and stuff like that. I still think we can beat them at the Riverside. So I'd say probably nine from the home games, but it would be difficult at Bournemouth away. Um, it, it's not a ground I like seeing us playing yeah. at because I don't think we've ever had, really had a lot of success there. Uh, so you know, nine out of twelve points for for that run would be would be fine, but hopefully we can nick a draw, Bournemouth. Okay, then. Uh, so ten points from that, and then end of the season wise, you just just enough points to get us get us up there. <laughs> just just get into the playoffs, and then it's you know it's a completely different proposition. But yeah, we we just need to make sure we're there. Mm, okay, Dana, how many? Well, how many points do you think you'll get from those four games, then, Dana? So Fulham, Hull, Bournemouth and Huddersfield, is that? Yeah, so it's Fulham at home, Hull at home, Hull Bournemouth, at home, away, Bournemouth away and Huddersfield at home. Huddersfield on a great bit of form as well. Yeah, and being yeah, beat it's... since we beat them. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I'm looking at Bournemouth and automatically fearing a 3-0 defeat because we always seem to get beat at, at Dinkort or whatever it's called now. Um, I think I would take a draw against Fulham, victory against Hull, victory against Huddersfield but in terms of the question I actually think that the next four games of ours are make and break because they, they are all away from home Sheffield United mm. obviously on a great run there was a little graphic that came up on Sky Sports on that game the other day about their home form very very strong at home and then Millwall they've won five on the bounce Birmingham St Andrews is a really difficult place for Borough to go we've kind of fell short there a few times but Peterborough is the one actually that's worrying me the most for whatever reason and I think it's because it's that typical boroughness of oh yeah they're you know bottom of the table described as a nothing team pretty much nobody in their team that you would necessarily fear they they did have Sariki Dembele but then he departed in January for Bournemouth so that's that's a difficult one for Borough I think that's probably the one that that worries me the most but the next four games for me are, are probably make and break for the season. Okay, then. And then the last question of the day, then I'm going to stick with you, and, he's, and it's from Tom Muldowney, and he says, is it concerning we haven't found a dependable front two yet? Yeah, I don't think it's worrying yet, but it is puzzling. And the only reason I say that it's not worrying yet is because I don't necessarily think we need one, because... Chris Wilder seems to trust that whoever's going to play in in, in that, those positions is going to give something from now until the end of the season. He did say after one of the recent home games about Connolly that he will definitely contribute and give something uh, until the end of the season that will help us. And, and 
the same with Balogun as well. So it's it's a conundrum because, as I mentioned, it seems like whoever comes off the bench is then the starter for the next game in the eyes of the supporters. Chris Wilder will see it differently, of course, but you would probably ideally want somebody like Billy Sharp, who you hang your hat on to score goals and be in the team regularly, start the games regularly, and then come off the pitch with a goal or two or your goal contributions under his belt. But it's not a worry, but it is definitely puzzling. Mm. Okay, then. Um, well, we'll come up against Billy Sharp later this week, but we'll come to that in a, in a second. But uh, on Saturday, Chris Wilder has now had 17 games as board manager in the championship, 20 in total, of course, if you want to count the FA Cup, FA Cup ties. Um, but 17 games in, we asked our Telegram community of what they think of the comparisons between the previous manager, Chris Wil- uh, previous manager uh, Neil Warnock, and Norborough's manager, Chris Wilder, um, and see what the comparisons are and what their thoughts have been on his tenure so far. I've been sporting Borough for nearly 45 years, loads of ups and downs in that time, but only on two or three occasions have I seen us pull together a, a team the like of which we've got now, where we've got 100% commitment, total communication between the team and the fans, really exciting football with players flooding forward all the time. And that's what Wilder's done. He's transformed the team. Totally different to under Pulis and Warnock, and we love it. Come on, Chrissy Wilder. I think the thing I like the most about having a team managed by Wilder is the confidence that we can go into games with. You know, we go a goal down, and I can still be 100% confident that we can win the game. My favourite thing about Chris Wilder in his tenure so far is he's made me fall back in love with the club I've supported all my life. The football is absolutely fantastic and we're winning games, which makes it even better. I do think we have a Premier League manager and we will become a Premier League club up the borough. To me, I've loved seeing the new identity Wilder is helping to put into the club and how refreshing honestly is in his interviews. It's great seeing us play an exciting style of football and watching players like Tav and Jones thrive in the system he's used. In particular, Tav, he's finally shown the consistency we wanted him to have for so long. With Bowler back, I can only see us getting stronger and pushing hard for the playoffs come the end of the season. I want to say I'm enjoying watching the Borough, the sense of purpose that the players play with. They know their roles and responsibilities, but they're also allowed to express themselves and play with flair. It's great to watch. I'm enjoying watching the games. I'm enjoying going to the games. And you know what? It reminds me of this connection with the players that back in 86 had with the fans. And that's the best compliment I can give. So thanks for everyone that contributed to that. And obviously, of course, as I mentioned earlier, that you can join our Telegram chat um, absolutely free of charge um, and join over 120 Borough fans in there and join the chat. Um, but Warnock versus Wilder, then 17 versus 17. Uh, I'm going to break down some a couple of key stats and appreciate there's a lot of variables in this. You can look at the quality of data. You can also say Warnock hasn't beat anyone over 16th. Um, you can also say there's number of caveats and variables depending on league positions and so forth like that. But in terms of face value, we look at this. So Warnock's last 17 games, um, he'd won 35% of them uh, with an average goals forward of 19 and an average conceding of 19. And minutes winning was 222. Um, so Chris Wilder, um, a win percentage of 58%, uh, goals forward 26, goals against 17 but minutes winning 505, which is 283 more um, than what the pre- his predecessor was. And there is a few more stats which we're going to break down in a second, but 
guys, we've heard from our listeners um, on what they think, uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. Um, what are your thoughts on Chris Wilder's tenure so far? Dana, do you want to go first? I think I echo a lot of what we said there. The belief in the team is at a level that I haven't really seen before because obviously, quite naturally, there's a comparison to the Karanka era because that was our last successful period at the club. But the difference between that one and this one is that I believe that this team can overturn a deficit and see out a game, whereas under Karanka, I only really believe that we could see out a victory and you know grind out a, a result. I never really believed that we could come back in a game and obviously that did happen you know you've got the game against uh, Bolton John Rhodes the game against Reading Adam Forshaw but I never believed in those moments and I believe now and I think that is a big big difference in just the the, the change around in the team under Chris Wilder has been paramount I think and I can go to the Riverside now knowing that we're going to put in a very good performance and most likely win the game <laughs> seven wins on the spinning all competitions at home is is some feat and I also got the Riverside genuinely enjoying it for the first time in a long long time and I'm staying back and I'm applauding the team off the pitch because I feel like that's just what I what I want to do to give my my kind of appreciation, show my appreciation to them. So gen- I think generally speaking, it's the belief in the team and the style of play is what I've always wanted to see from Borough, the possession-based, fearless, brave. That's what the fans want to see. And Chris Wilder has got it spot on, I think. Okay. Um, belief and turn games on its head and maintain that. Um, but Tom, what have you seen uh, different from, from, from Chris Wilder's side? I think it's just that it's enjoyable to watch again, and it, it seems it seems mad because it, it, looking back on it, it's like oh, it, there was never a point where it didn't feel like this. But then you only have to think like it was only the start of the season where it was like the exact opposite, and then something like the the absolute dross we've had at football as football for for the last few years. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it's just like it, it feels like it's always been here, but it's all—it's only been seventeen games. It's—I'll just echo what Dana said about the possession-based style of football. That's—that's that's what I enjoy watching, um, like personally. And there's there's just elements of the game, like the recycling of possession and stuff, where I can like really appreciate just just watching. And I haven't had that since since the Karanka period. Um, obviously, there are differences between the two of them, but. When you when you like, I'm thinking back on it. That's the the last time I can say I honestly like enjoyed going to the Riverside and 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 thinking we were going to win every game uh, and, and you know being entertained by it as well. Um, but what Wild has been able to do in in such a, a short space of time, turning the the style of play around, implementing this this new style, uh, and then building this connection with the fans as well has just been un, unreal. Like. Yeah, you look at who's came before him uh, in, in in terms of like uh, you know Warnock. I mean, fair enough, he had you know the majority of the fans on his side for for what he did in the first season. Then it kind of dropped off after that. Pulis never really had had the support. Monk never really did. Woodgate, I think we all wanted him to do well, but it was just kind of obvious through that first season that he was going to struggle. Um, and and then just to come in so quickly and and build this connection has been been something we've needed for for a few years. Mm. Okay, then. Well, that's the thoughts on the tenure so far. But tactically, what is the difference? Um, now, just to give you like a formations why formation stat um, in the seventeen games that Neil Warnock had this season, 
Um, he used six formations in that time. Um, but Chris Wilder has just used the one. Um, Dana, tactically, what have you seen uh, different? Yeah, well, I've just seen a team that uses the midfield. And I've said this many times. It almost is, it's become a little bit repetitive for me anyway. But that is so important, in my opinion, because you see the effect that Marcus Tavernier and Matt Crooks, Johnny Housen is having. I mean, under Warnock, I wasn't a fan of Johnny Housen whatsoever. And his transformation in this team, the game against Spurs, the game against Luton, it shows just how much he's improved under Chris Wilder. And I think that is really down to tactics. There's absolutely no way that that, that midfield didn't want to show for the ball under Warnock. But it was a tactical issue. It was obviously a tactic set out by the coaching team that the, the players just had to play with. And I think there was a point that it became very evident that Warnock had almost, or the squad had outgrown Warnock. And you see now the the difference in it, the recycling of possession, like Tom said, the patient build-up, the shape off the ball. We we do still man-mark. That's the thing, you know, Anthony Dykesdale will drift into it, almost a, a midfield position. You saw it with, with Son when he was dropping deep, Dykesdale was following him. But there's always somebody there to fill in. And that was happening under Warnock, but then it almost became a little bit, chaotic to a degree and, and teams could really penetrate our backline because of that the shape under Wilder is fantastic in possession out of possession you see the combinations on that right hand side through Dyke Steel, Crooks and Jones that's a big part of our play I can see us maybe adopting that on the left hand side when ball is back and there's just a lot more freedom in the team a lot more ability to take risks Warnock hated the players taking risks. I mean, poor Patrick Roberts, he was pretty much bombed out because of that, wasn't he? And it's good to see that Wilder wants to see his teams play. And that's that's honestly brilliant to see. It's refreshing. The Borough, the Borough fans will always, they'll always react to what they see. And you saw the atmosphere on, on Tuesday night against Spurs. It was, it was unbelievable, really. And that was because we saw a team that were fighting for every ball, fighting for for every pass, every tackle, every opportunity and being brave. We were brave against the top six Premier League team and, and that's not the only time that I've seen Borough be fearless and that is a big personality of ours tactically and I think that's why the fans, has been such a good atmosphere at the Riverside this season because the fans are buying into that. Tom, is there anything to add there or is this Dana covered all, all the points <clears> you want to make? No, I think I think tactically it's just the fact that we've stuck to one formation and we've we've made other teams have to try and adapt to us rather than constantly switching around to try and adapt to what we're playing. Uh like you said earlier, like Warnock played six different formations over the, the first half of the season and Wilder's only played the one. You know, I remember going to Reading away and that was one of the worst games I've ever seen. As Dana said, we we weren't using the midfield and there were just so many kind of like balls hoofed over the top aiming for just Jones in, in the left-hand channel, um, which which he wasn't able to get onto. And it, it was it was just stuff like that. Like, I mean, Dana said, um, you know, Warnock hit the players taking risks. For me, that was a risk because we're giving the ball away to to the other team far too often from from doing that. Uh, whereas now we're, we're actually using the midfield, we're, we're recycling possession, playing it the way we're facing a lot more um, with, you know, individual creative freedom kind of sprinkled in there as well. Um, and, and it's just working so much more effectively. Um, and just to, to kind of echo what, what Dana said about the, the team kind of out, outgrowing Warnock, I think they absolutely did. Uh, and, and while there's, 
the the right guy to to get the best out of them now. I I fully agree with what you both of you have just said. Um, but in terms of the defensive side of things, then, um, shots faced, um, it's a really good start in terms of like analyzing whether Middlesbrough is, is shapes a little bit better or they're just trying to decrease the chances the opposition uh, team have. Um, it's not particularly good omen for Lumley on this one, but we're of, uh, under Neil Warnock, uh, we faced 173 shots in 17 games. Chris Wilder is 147, um, 50 being on target for, for Warnock, 44 uh, being on target for Chris Wilder. Um, in terms of XGA, um, Borough are, like, so goals, goals against. Um, Borough are in the top three for both managers defensively, very, very strong. Um, with an XGA, so X goal against a 15.41 for Wilder and 15.09 for Warnock. So a little bit defensively, a little better uh, for, for Neil Warnock, but it's not high when you play 10 behind the ball. Um, Dana, <laughs> uh, <coughs> do, is it, does it show that Millsborough's obviously reducing the amount of shots going forward? Is it, is it show like the benefit of shape, you know, Closing teams down a little bit more high up the pitch is that kind of the reason why we're seeing these these lesser shots happen? Yeah, definitely, and it's it's the shape out of possession that is so important to the way that we play because sometimes when we are under the cosh a little bit, you will see Neil Neil Taylor obviously because he's a natural defensive player he'll fill in almost to make it a, a back four. Sometimes Jones will come back to make it a back five. You've got a better equipped midfield there, I think, in both mm-hmm. aspects of the game, both in terms of uh, attacking and defending. The pressing is is much more effective. We we aren't going gung-ho, and that's what Chris Wilder said after the game yesterday, that he's not a manager that will go gung-ho in games. I think he said it after the Spurs game. And that's so important because that was the downfall of Woodgate, really. He wanted too much too soon out of the players and probably just too much, generally speaking. But Chris Wilder, I think, is very clever with, obviously, the the pressing, the shape of the ball is good, as I said. The defensive unit is very compact. And also, as I mentioned with Dykesdale, when he drifts into a defensive midfield position, you'll sometimes see Johnny House and drop into that on the centre-back position and then Crooks. There's there's a lot of versatility in this team, I'm realising on the spot, because obviously Johnny Howson played under Woodgate as a... Well, he played everywhere, really, didn't he? Uh, centre-back, right-back, centre-defensive um, midfield. Marcus Tavernier is incredibly versatile. Matt Crooks is incredibly versatile. Um, I think Jones is adding more strings to his ball. Taylor, dependable as ever. It's it's just a really good unit, and I think that definitely helps as well. But yeah, we 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 are a lot better defensively, I think. And that's not to say we weren't under Warnock. I think there was a vulnerability in us though at the moment, um, at that moment, and at this moment, I don't see many vulnerabilities defensively, other than okay. sloppy mistakes. But that's how yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, which is which pretty much raises Middlesbrough's uh, XA, XGA again um, against them. But Tom, looking forward then. Chances created very, very similar in terms of in the 17 games. So 157 for Wilder, 152 for Neil Warnock. <clears throat> uh, but when we look at XG, so like a lot is included when you calculate an expected goal. So the, t- the time of the assist, whether it's the shot like from the head or the foot, um, the angle, the distance, um, whether it's opportunities like precisely towards them in the middle of the middle of the box. Um, so there's a lot of things that will come and, uh, will come and be calculated in XG. 
Um, but when we look at the high quality chances Millsborough creating, um, Millsborough have got an XG of 30.42, so 30 goals um, in 17 games, uh, whilst whilst Warnock's was 20, uh, so just over one um, per game. Um, what's the, the key difference here? Because that is a significant jump there, isn't it, under Chris Wilder? I think it, it comes down to patient build-up play. And, I, you know, we've spoken about it a lot of, of how we'll try and stretch the game, take it out to the left-hand side, then or back over to the right where Jones is going to be able to get a, a run at his man and play, like, a low cross into the box. And the amount we've scored from from doing that, uh, I, I think that, that kind of uh, set-ups is so much more effective than what Warnock was doing, where it was just kind of aimed at, you know, crosses into the box about, you know, two feet over Brit's head or Fletcher's head or whoever was playing playing up front at that point. Um, so I, I think it's just showing that, you know, if you are patient and you don't rush it and you try and create these quality chances, they will come. And, you know, other than that, we've got the... We've pretty much got a, an overload in the box on most of the... Um, the situations where we are doing that, um, and and it's just making making it so hard to defend for the other team. Uh, whereas you look at what we were doing under Warnock previously, and our our way of chance creation there, and that was actually quite easy for the other team to defend. So I, I think that's the main difference when it comes down to us. Okay, and well, when we're looking at like the possession side of things, Tom, you were absolutely spot on there because Middlesbrough's percentage points um, has went up by eight under Chris Wilder. Um, it's went from forty-four to fifty-three um, on an average average game. So, I mean, in terms of possession-wise, yeah, very, very good. Um, and then also crosses have decreased as well, which again backs up your point even more. But when you look at the data, and I think we'll show this, we'll probably send something out later this week around what we we found in terms of looking at Warnock versus Wilder. A bit based on the stats, it's literally one or two percent different on every single stat. And it's really, really interesting because it shows that there's always marginal differences. There's always fine margins in football, but that one percent is absolutely massive. Um it it's just huge. And I think Millsworth have been able to really show difference and get games over the line with just the occasional one more goal. Or it's that positional play, and I feel like that's the difference. And that one percent, one percent is massive in football. Well, let's look ahead then. Let's look ahead to Tuesday now, where Borough face Sheffield United in the rearranged fixture at Bramall Lane. So, to get an insight and an opposition perspective, we reached out to Johnny from the Sharon View to give us some insight on Tuesday's game. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name's Johnny and I'm from Sheffield United Channel, The Shoreham View. Been asked to do a preview for this game. It's difficult because it's not the Chef United that should be on the field. We've got so many players out with injury, so many young players coming into the team to try and fill big shoes. And it's left us really light on the pitch. And we saw in the last game against Forest how much that is affecting our form. As current form has been really good. We've only lost two games out of so many. I just think we're running out of steam. And that run that actual form is going to take a massive hit now. And what's one team you don't want to play when you're starting to come to the end of good form? 
a team that's bang in form with your ex-manager. I do fear the worst, unfortunately, for Sheffield United. I think it could be a dreadful day at the office. But I have been wrong before, and I'd be happy to be wrong again. Players to look out for, obvious, old man Billy Sharp. Still the best striker we've got at the club by a country mile. The lad looks so fit he could play into his 80s, and I wouldn't object to it as long as he keeps up this form. We're light at right back, we're missing Chris Basham. It's an odd one to predict because my heart says we're going to win 2-0 and we're going to do it, I'm going to pull it out of the bag, but my head is saying we're going to lose 3-0. Head or heart, I'm going to go with my heart and say 2-0 Sheffield United. I'm prepared for the abuse. Okay then, prepare for the news, Johnny. Um, look, 2 0 Sheffield United, a lot of injuries, though. Uh, massively overperforming. Um, under Paul Heckenbottom as well, which I was so surprised um, when he took the job. And he's doing such a, a good, job, good job to get them back up in the playoff places where we all expect them to be. Uh, Dana, what's your thoughts on the game and what's your prediction? I tell you what, I was watching their game against Forest and I would be incredibly. Oh, I'd be licking my lips if I was Isaiah Jones coming coming up against uh, Reese Norrington Davis because Spence had him on toast for for a lot of that game on Friday night, and he seemed a bit of a of a weak weak spot, a vulnerable spot in that Sheffield United backline. They were playing um, a youngster, um, Sir Ricky, who could have given away a penalty in that game actually. So I think the vulnerabilities are out wide. It would be interesting to see if Bowler comes back for the for this game. I'm not expecting it, but if he is, then that would be, I think, the the parts of Borough's team that I think can really take to uh, Sheffield United's backline. So, yeah, but then they've got Billy Sharp. So for every potential vulnerability, you can always say, yeah, well, they've got Billy Sharp and Billy Sharp, have, of course, scored against Forrest. So, yeah, this is, this is a big, big game for us and one that I'm not 100% confident in, but I'm looking forward to nonetheless. Okay, um, Tom, what is your thoughts and predictions? Yeah, as I said earlier, I've watched them a couple of times in, in the last couple of weeks and not really, really been impressed, but from uh, what uh, Johnny from the Shoreham View was just saying there, uh, with the amount of players missing, that's a potential explanation for it because I've probably went into those games expecting a bit more from uh, from Sheffield United. But um, it, it's a tough one because... Like I said earlier, if we play the way I know we can, uh, I think we'll get a, a result out of it. But our away form's not been great recently, so my prediction for it would be one-one. Um, but I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to see us get a result out of it. I think it's it's possible that we could do it with the amount of players they've got missing, and uh, you know, he was just saying there they're going to run out of steam, so. It's possible that we could get the win, but I, I think at the moment it, I've got to go for 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Dana, what's your score prediction? You know what? I would echo 1-1, one, one actually. But I, I think I would take a point against Sheffield United. It's obviously not a defeat, which I think could potentially boost the confidence. Obviously, it depends on how this draw comes about, but a draw would be a good result for me against a team very strong at home. I think unbeaten in their last five, and a lot of those were clean sheets, actually, or last six or seven, I can't even remember what the graphic was. It was on Sky Sports the other day, and I can't, I've forgotten it, but very good at home, lots of clean sheets, but, yeah, defensive troubles. So I think one all for me as well. 
Okay, yeah, I think Bramwell Lane's a really tough place to go, isn't it? And be bouncing. I think like Chris Wilder would be really, really keen to get a result at Bramwell Lane uh, on on the Tuesday night, especially the way that he left the club as well. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? A really difficult one. I want to go two one Borough, and I just I just don't know why it just feels good to say whether I'm getting like flashbacks from the game where Marvin Emnes scored and should have been <laughs> sent off, and we stayed up and. That was a great, great day. That, um, but yeah, hopefully we can replicate that and get another win. Because I think if we win at Bramall Lane, then that's massive for confidence. That that's massive. Um, but let's look ahead uh, to Saturday. Then we're Borough travel to the Den against playoff outsiders Millwall. Uh, we did get an opposition uh, perspective from that, that Millwall podcast. We've had a couple of technical issues trying to put it into Streamyard, um, but I'll break it down instead. Um, so. They've said it's had, they've had an up and down season, but they've had five straight wins, and that includes wins over Sheffield United and QPR. And the one yesterday, one goal to nil at Reading. Um, the home form is really, really good, but they do have a lot of injuries uh, similar to what Sheffield United have. They're set up in a 3 4 1 2 formation. Jed Wallace has that central free roam role as a number 10. And you'll see him drift from each wing to try and cause an overload on the on the on the right wing backs or on the center, right center defensive, uh, right center mids. Um, as I just mentioned there, Jed Wallace is crucial to their attacking play. And Jake Cooper um, is their main threat from set pieces, where the majority of his goals has came from this season with four. And it's a lot of where the majority of their opportunities come from. They think it's going to be a really difficult game, but they can see a Millwall 1-0 win um, and think they'll score from a set play of all things. Um, but Millwall are 10th in the championship this season, three points off Borough in the, who occupy the last playoff spot. So really, really good form um, for Millwall. But guys, the Den is always a tough place to go. Um, Tom, what's your thoughts and predictions? Yeah, it, it is always a, a tough one to go to. And, and I mean... Looking back on on previous years, I can I can remember like a few really good days we've had there, and also on the other side of things, a few really bad ones as well. Uh, we saw what they were all about uh, at the Riverside earlier this season. Uh, obviously, the highlighted Jay Cooper there. I mean, he was absolutely massive at the back for them, uh, and, and we didn't have an answer answer for that. Um, uh, in the way they're setting up, I can see Housen dropping a bit deeper to to try and neutralise the threat of, uh, of of Wallace. And if we can do that, uh, I, I think we can get a result. I'm going to go 1-0 Borough next week. 1-0 up the ticks. Um, Dana, what are you going to go for? Yeah, I think this might be another arm wrestle, another scrappy game where Borough need to battle and fight. It usually always is at, at the Den, isn't it? And I remember the, the game, the lockdown game at the Den where Maury Wallace just... He was prodding and poking at Jed Spence, wasn't he, to try and wind him up? I think that could probably happen again. To be fair, um, it might be. It might be. I don't know. Is Maury Wallace in the team or is he injured? I don't know. But if he's there, he might do the same to Jones. But yeah, I think it's going to be a, a battle and a scrap. Maybe not one for for the neutrals, but they are one of the most informed teams in the division with their five wins in a row. So it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. I can't see a lot of goals in this game, I must admit. So I, I feel like I'm the Spider-Man meme for Tom here. And I'm just going to say exactly what he says again and say 1-0 for <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 as well, so, Tom. It's a hat-trick of 1-0s, and if we have a, the results that we just predicted there, it's going to be a very, very good week. 
Um, well, guys, that's it. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. And the listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And if you listen to us on Spotify, and I know there's over there's 2,000 of you that were subscribed to our channel, um, give us a five-star rating on, on Spotify. That helps Bora Bora fans find us. Um, and, yeah, we'll keep going in the charts as well. But it's eight home league wins in a row, nine in total. And that equals the record in both cases of the Riverside with the last time coming in the 1997-98 season. All-time record is 11, spanning in the 1926-27 to 1928-29 season. And everyone knows how those seasons finished. Um, oh, dear. Um, there's no place like home. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.